1: Here we are back at the final hour of the show. 706 Randy Corcoran here. So good to have you along. Phone number 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. Text messages keep pouring in and um, people keep asking me about this document grab at the Biden residence today. 13 hours consensual search investigators from the Department of Justice, not FBI SWAT teams, not 6 a.m. raids, not pilfering through the underwear drawer of the former first lady or the bedroom of Barron Trump, but, uh, you know, consensual, congenial sort of visit. And I agree with our guest the last hour, Trevor Loudon, uh, Joe Biden's on his way out. This is all when the media starts focusing on this, as they have CNN, MSLSD, Um, White House reporters pounding the president, him just sitting there with that dumb, blind, uh, I don't really know where I am, look on his face. It's TikTok, baby. Um, I think Joe Biden's days are numbered. But we'll get into more of that. I also have a few things to say about Alec Baldwin and uh, uh, the fact that I, and I don't take pleasure in other people's trouble, but it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy Alec Baldwin finally charged for the death of the that mother and uh, woman film producer, I forget her particular role, art, some kind of an art director or something, shot and killed by Alec Baldwin, who claimed in an interview that he didn't actually pull the trigger. Should be interesting to see that play out. We'll have more to talk about on that in just a few minutes, and then we're definitely going to spend some time this hour sharing with you some of this just... Intensely terrifying, if you didn't understand who these people really are, World Economic Forum. They call it WEF now, WEF 23. WEF 23, closing arguments from the closing remarks at the World Economic Forum. They will floor you. We played just a short piece with Trevor Loudon last segment where they talk about uh, the need to be spending $3 trillion American dollars a year. On their economic and climate agenda, just extraordinary. But first, I was so glad when this opportunity popped up because you know the Colorado state legislature is in place; it's been underway. TikTok bills are dropping. Two weeks ago, we talked about the the um, automatic rifle ban and uh, or the automatic, really the automatic firearm ban of any kind. Uh, But there's a whole lot more going on at the state legislature. And there's so very few people that I really, really like down there. Our next guest is one of them. She's a former teacher. She's an attorney. She's a community organizer in the best sense of the word, not the Obama uh, sense of the word. And uh, she's now starting her second term in the Colorado State House. She was redistricted, so she moved out of District, was it 47, I think, where she won by almost 55% of the vote, into the newly redistricted District 60, where if the numbers I looked up are correct, she won by almost 69% of the vote. Her name is Stephanie Luck, and she joins us now. Stephanie, welcome back to the program.
2: Thanks for having me tonight, Randy. It's great to be on.
1: Yeah, and I hated to call you a community organizer, but I saw it there in your bio, because, you know, that's just so Obama-ish. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, communities are important, and we do need to organize them to understand that they can solve problems and they don't need the government to interfere in them. So if we can redeem that idea, I think we could all do well to preserve our liberties.
1: Well, amen to that. And, you know, we also have to just get better at it because the Democrats have have just uh, become masters at organizing communities, organizing groups, dividing citizens against themselves um ballot harvesting you know gathering votes uh racking up huge leads before republicans ever bother to show up at the polls just so many things to learn from these evildoers and uh but i've I've got to ask you uh, first thing you're you are in you're down in the pueblo area i let's see i wrote down your districts i think but i oh yeah chafee pueblo teller custer fremont um you won pretty significantly against an incumbent democrat in your first term back in the 2020 election almost 55%. The redistricting, you you slaughtered your opponent almost 69%. What's the change down there?
2: Well, it really is a change of of demographics. You know, I went from having down parts of downtown Pueblo to having more of the rural center southwest of of Colorado and so there are many more uh, conservatives living in my new district than were registered in my old. But I say registered because while there are a lot of folks in in Pueblo who are culturally Democrat, right? Their, Their parents, their grandparents were Democrat. When it comes to their actual views on things like life and marriage and family and low taxes and all of the things that we would consider conservative issues they actually align more republican but because of that heritage they tend to fill in the democrat circle so that's really the difference uh, for me this year is that i have more people who are registered republican and then in terms of you know unaffiliated voters i think a lot of them like the fact that i i have been seen in the legislature as a reasoned voice that has actually had an opportunity to change some hearts and minds on the other side of the aisle on certain issues.
1: Stephanie Luck is with us now starting her second term in the Colorado State House in HD 60 after being redistricted out of her old district 47. And I, you know, I've, I've commented on this multiple times, but I think one of the reasons that the Democrats and and Biden are being so blatant in just opening up the Southern border and, and allowing um, illegal aliens to flood in uh, so many that, that aren't aren't just from Mexico is because Democrats, uh, American Democrats, uh, American uh, Democrats of Mexican heritage are turning to the Republican Party. The Republican Party is becoming the party of the working man, of the entrepreneur, uh, of the person who came to America for American values, not coming here for a handout, and so they know as more and more black people and other groups turn to the Republican Party that they've got to make that up somehow. And that's why the open flood. What say you?
2: Well, you know, it's an interesting concept, because if that is their desire, I don't think that it will bear the fruit they desire for it to bear, largely because of what you're saying, that the voices that they've relied on historically are are changing sides and sort of, seeing the writing on the wall, seeing that these ideas that are advanced by the Democrat Party often just lead to hardship and suffering and uh, flood open those, those gates and allow others to come in in hope that they'll vote for you. I don't think it is thought out uh, long term, especially when you're inviting people from places like Venezuela who saw firsthand their nation a, a top economic producer, just transformed practically overnight into poverty where nobody could find food and you're you're eating your, your domestic pets um, <laughs> because there is no food it's terrifying so it, those folks who are coming up here, they're coming up here because they believe in the ideas of America, and they're going to be even more passionate about preserving it, recognizing that if America falls to these bad ideas, there's really nowhere else to turn to. So I don't know that it'll play out the way that they desire if that indeed is their hope.
1: Well, my my fear is that so many who are fleeing don't understand the politics of America. All they know right now is is the, the handouts that are available. Uh, and the way that they'll be taken care of. And I I think, you know, as time goes on, people wake up just as uh, Democrats and many in uh, black communities are understanding the damage that the Democrat Party has done to their communities, their ideals, their principles, and their pursuits. Um, But anyway, that's obviously something that is way out of our control. One more question, and then we'll jump into what's going on with the state legislature. Given the fact that uh, the Democrats hold you know practically a supermajority in the house and a significant um, uh, margin in the senate democrat governor democrat statewide offices all around what was the motivation for you to throw your hat back into the fray? i'm sure we didn't and you didn't anticipate uh the turnout in the election to be as bad as it was but man it's got to be tough to be in the minority especially when you've got such aggressive radicals on the other side i don't know
2: if it if it's more difficult now than it was last year, you know, we were still in the minority last year. We still were down the nine votes. It's all a question, I guess, of perspective. Really what I am called to do and what I believe your listeners are called to do and yourself is to rebuild an entire civilization, uh, rebuild a way of thinking, rebuild a way of doing life. We have really lost the vision of the founders, even just talking with people about the Tocqueville's experiences and, and recognizing that the the diversity within the the social institutions and how different groups came up and and took care of different aspects of of society and and community, you know, we've really lost that vision, and so. We have a huge task in front of us, whether we're down 9 or down 16 or down 32 or whatever it might be, to help people think differently about the way we interact as people, recognizing that ideas have consequences, bad ideas have victims. We continue to pursue a lot of bad ideas, and so we have to think differently and Doing that, whether you're in the minority or super minority, posing questions, allowing for the power of question to penetrate hearts, it, it really is no different. In fact, I think in some ways, it's the, the starkness of it makes people bolder to, to step out and say, you know what, this is all I have. This is, all I have is my voice, and I am going to use it in order to, to hopefully convince people that there is a better way.
1: It's a phenomenal answer and I can see why you win with such significant majorities when you run for office just really terrific and I, and so many people are open to that message especially now that, that we're reaping the consequences of democrat policies in Colorado the crime rate the auto thefts the the expensive and non-existent eggs and the new taxes that are coming our way and some of them under the guise of fees and some of them just blatantly in your face um, it's all compounding the experience of being a resident of the state of Colorado. Uh, and it's got to wake people up one way or the other. And uh, uh, so hopefully we can make some progress as we move forward. So tell us about your first few days down there. How long, how many days have you guys been in session?
2: So we started on January 9th, which means that we are 13 days into the 120 days of the legislative session, we're a citizen legislature, as you know, which means we don't e- meet year-round. Thank God, um, and so we have a set amount of days that we can meet, and once those days are over, we are we are done for the year. So we are we're through the first 13. It was you know a lot of pomp and circumstance, the former for, formal celebrations and listening to the governor give his State of the State and the Chief Justice give his State of the Judiciary. Um, this year we actually also heard from leaders of the Indian tribes and and just government to government understanding where they are at and what they're looking to Colorado um, for and, and how they want to interact with us moving forward. We also you know, voted in our our leadership, um, us in the House, our Speaker, and, and then the Senate President So lots going on, and then we had SMART Act hearings, so looking to hold executive agencies accountable, understanding what they've been doing for the past 12 months, and and seeing if they've been fulfilling the mandates given to them or if they've been struggling with that. So a lot of stuff's been happening over the last uh, two weeks, and then starting on Monday, we'll really start to dig into the bills. We're looking at 159 bills that have been introduced so far, more than likely we'll consider between 600-700 bills this year in in those 120 days Um, and each one of those bills will inform the way that we live life here in colorado so for your listeners please feel free to go to um, our legislative website to the general assembly's website and start looking at some of those bills and preparing to give testimony if any of them are of concern to you and your people don't expect that your voice and your experiences will be heard uh, otherwise, right? Um, All of us have different stories to tell, and a lot of the bills that we look at year over year are just clean up bills from years before because there were unintended or intended consequences. There were particular people who were impacted who weren't brought to the stakeholding table originally, and and then they came and said, hey, this is impacting us this, this way. So don't let that happen this year, just get involved and come out. And I know that for conservatives that can be really discouraging when you sit through a two or four or 10 hour committee hearing, you get your 30 seconds or three minutes to speak and then your your position is voted against, but don't be discouraged. We need to hear your voices. We need to know what the people of Colorado are thinking about what is happening.
1: Well, the the good news is that we're already almost 11% done with this legislative session. Bad news is we've got about 89% to go. But uh, people don't yeah. realize how important it is to get down there and testify. And and one of the reasons, just a very practical reason, uh, even if you don't believe that you very often have the opportunity to change enough hearts and minds to flip a vote, is that you can delay more bad things, keep them from happening by filling the time that's available uh, to debate and talk about any particular piece of legislation. there's only so much and I know sometimes they've gone till midnight or, or overnight. Um, there's been some pretty serious um, politicking that's gone on in our state house and and it's uh, it is frustrating. I've been down there with those long waits and uh, and all of that, but um, it's a very integral part of our system, and you can at least, slow down more bad things from happening by showing up when something that matters to you that you have some knowledge or a strong position on uh, and being heard, being put into the record and insisting that they go through that process before they ram stuff through.
2: It's true. And we now have remote testimony options. So for those people who live further afield and can't make the two-hour traffic, To Denver they can always remote in and use a zoom feature on the Colorado General Assembly's website to give their remarks so that's also another option one other aspect that is beneficial to us in the minority is to be able to counter the narrative that the majority often uses they say see nobody showed up for this bill which means that we're on the right side of Coloradans You guys are you guys are the ones who are making a big deal out of this. If the people really cared, they would be here and they're they're not here, so that must say that they support our policies. And if there are people who show up, they can't make that argument and they can't make it that strongly. So please do come and recognize. So Governor Polis in my first year in 2021, when he gave his state of the state address, he laid out his vision for Colorado. He said that it was his goal and the goal of his majority to fundamentally transform Colorado and year over year he has he has reinforced that idea this year they're looking to fundamentally transform colorado through the meta-narrative of the housing crisis they create these existential crises and they say in order to resolve these big things we have to take more of your rights we have to change the way that we have been doing life in colorado and so um, we need people who can come down and say i don't want to fundamentally transform colorado i want to continue to live under the mission statement of America, which was adopted by Colorado, i.e. the Declaration of Independence and the truths that are enshrined therein.
1: That moral support can mean the world too. I mean, it's just, you know, you guys don't do the work of the state legislature because the pay is good or the work hours and the bennies (laughs) are nice. You know, it it is a true labor of love and patriotism love of Colorado, love of fellow citizen and family and all of those things. So I'm, I am very grateful to people like our guest Stephanie Luck for uh, the time and effort that they put in and, uh, and that pushback and that moral support for each other can be a huge part of it. Uh, we're really pushing this segment, but uh, is there any bill one or two that pops to mind that you're aware of that should be on people's radar before we call it a night tonight?
2: Well, you did mention the leaked assault weapons ban bill, but we haven't seen that actually come across the desk yet. Um, I know that there are some other gun bills, maybe one that's going to hold um, firearms manufacturers liable, and and so they're going to be pursuing those types of bills. It's possible that they're going to be putting forth some rent control, private property limiting bills in order to uh, address the the housing prices and then there's also talk of a bill that would centralize zoning rules in the state hands so it would take it out of the local government's hands and and give it to the state which would very much change the quality of life and, and culture uh county to county if that were to happen so i would just say at this point a lot of the bills that are coming out that i've looked at um as bills go aren't aren't egregious um to the extent that we would would think but we will see more and more drop over the next week or two. And so please just keep an eye out and, and realize that a lot of this stuff is quick turnaround time. So we just need to support as much as is possible over the next few months.
1: Stephanie Luck, thank you so much for your time on a Saturday night, for your hard work in the state legislature. I know you're just gearing up and for the, the great tips and, and just sort of a reaffirmation of why people like you and me do what we do. Uh, in spite of the uh, sort of, especially here in Colorado, the lack of feeling of success sometimes is just so very important. And we've seen around the country that things can change, can turn around. There's always the next election, and God moves in mysterious ways.
2: Amen. And and just last thought for your guests: uh, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the you will reap a harvest. And so I believe we will reap a harvest. Just keep fighting the good fight. And thanks, Randy, and all your people for.
1: Leading the way. Amen. State Representative Stephanie Luck. Have a good Saturday night and a great weekend. God bless you.
2: You too. Bye.
1: All right. Seven twenty-six. We've got to jump to the break. When we come back, some of that uh, WEF twenty-three uh, audio that I promised. Uh, maybe a little chat about our good friend Alec Balt. Ba- our good friend, not so much Alec Baldwin. And uh, anything that's on your mind at three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Stay with us here. Seven ten K in U.S. Yeah, sounds like even uh, Joe Biden is starting to succumb the law. Of course, it's such a two-tiered justice system right now. Hi. Hi. Is this President Joe Biden's residence? We're from the Department of Justice, and uh, we have an appointment to come search your house for 13 hours. May we come in, please? I mean, just contrast that to the FBI showing up in SWAT gear at 6 a.m. at Mar-a-Lago. So... And and of course, Trump was cooperating. They were in negotiations on documents. They built a special what do they call them? Skiff or a a secure place to have documents. They put on an extra lock at the request of the FBI or whomever, whoever it was. Um, Yeah. But, you know, for Biden, it's his Department of Justice. This is another promise that I expect. Currently brand new elected speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy to keep, and that is impeach these clowns. Merrick Garland Garland, the border czar. I just the illegality, the unequal treatment of of American citizens, depending on what side of the political aisle they're on, all of it warrants intense investigation, subpoenas, hearings testimony under oath and ultimately I suspect impeachment and I have to say I mentioned uh, Alec Baldwin just as uh, to remind myself before we got into our conversation with Stephanie luck state representative Stephanie luck thank you very much for the time uh, Alec Baldwin a year what is it a year or more later finally being charged in voluntary manslaughter for the shooting death of this young woman artistic designer right on the set of a movie and the, the arrogance of this guy to go on. If maybe he just thought he was so above it all, he didn't talk to his lawyers first before he went on George step on all of us and did a free ranging interview where he claimed that he pointed the gun, but he didn't pull the trigger. Now, look, I know it wasn't intentional. It's a horrible, horrible accident but the negligence, the recklessness of everyone who handled that gun to not know what, it, what its status is, to actually point it and pull a trigger in a rehearsal without someone first clearing it, making sure. I don't know all the protocols that are in place. And I really thought with, a, I think it's a, a Santa Fe, New Mexico prosecutor, a lot of Democrats down there, a lot of Soros prosecutors, and then Alec Baldwin. I, I really thought as time went on, why did it take so long to bring these charges? And the bottom line is it couldn't happen to a less nice human being than the most vile videos of him. Um Using the F word and and pushing, getting in the face of reporters and even fans and uh, and certainly um, just being as derogatory and profane about people with whom he politically disagrees, i.e. Donald Trump supporters or Republicans or conservatives. And then most disgusting of all, the way this man interacted with his own daughter. Do you remember those videos, uh, those videos, those um, those recordings when they came out of him screaming at her, calling her a little piggy using bad language and just disgusting as a parent, disgusting as a man, disgusting as a human being interacting with a child. So I hope justice is done. A, a life was lost. Someone died because of the arrogance and stupidity of this man. And I know one of the people who managed that gun on the set has already entered a plea. I don't remember what their sentence was, but a life was lost. I don't think Alec Baldwin should be put away as a murderer or, you know, some kind of person in a fit of anger who acted recklessly and somebody wound up dead. I'm not calling for that, but jail time. Absolutely. A person died in the most careless, inexplicable, disgusting way possible. It's Just disgusting. All right, we've got to do some of this audio or we're never going to get to it from the World Economic Forum. Here, is, here are some of the opening remarks, opening of the closing. This is from the final speech, which occurred, I believe, yesterday.
3: I remember from economics, we learned that with five economists, there would usually be like seven different opinions in the same room. But I I felt they were very aligned and also related to the importance of uh, growth.
1: That is someone by the name of Borje Brende or Brendy. And I know absolutely nothing about him, but they're not aligned on growth. They're not aligned on natural free market innovation people voluntarily interacting with each other in ways that benefit them. I doubt any of these super brainiac clowns, including the engineer founder of the world economic forum, Klaus Schwab have ever read the most profound book on economics that there is one that each and every one of you should have read if you haven't. And should have your kids read. It's, it's that simple. It's a thin book. The chapters are easy. The examples are clear. It's Henry Hazlitt's Economics in One Lesson. It can change your life. Here's more from Borge Brende.
3: Over the past several days, progress has been made on scaling climate ambition, driving more equitable growth, and unlocking the benefits of frontier technologies
1: scaling ambition frontier neck frontier technologies and uh and then some, oh sustainable growth was that the language he used the buzzwords are just so telling aren't they scaling in other words through our masterminded plans will bring will create the the operational guidelines for these massive corporations and and the Supply chains and the delivery mechanisms and we'll decide who needs what and how much of what they get and when they get it and at what cost we'll do it because we're so smart and these technologies this artificial intelligence and all the different things that we are going to create to rule over you because we your leaders know better.
3: For me, the greatest lesson of the week has been that although the world is more fragmented today, it does not need to be tomorrow. By coming together like this, we can shape a more collaborative future.
1: So fragmented, a world of 7 or 8 billion people. They talk in some of the clips uh, at the end of this final, uh, parting shot from WEF 23 about, you know, inflation and it's how out of control it is and all of the inequities around the world. And I just thought to myself, as I listened to it, just two short years ago, inflation was what? 1.4, 1.8% here in the United States of America, a net exporter of energy, which they talk about as, as just a dangerous crisis of scarcity of energy in the world during WEF 23, just two short years ago. That's how quickly they can tear it all down.
3: We also double down on accelerating climate action. The first movers coalition, this coalition that we formed with President Biden in the run-up to Glasgow, where you use the purchasing powers of the big companies in the world to green their supply chain has now grown from 35 companies to 70 companies and we added Canada and the UAE as government partners.
1: Great. They greened up their supply chain. Whew. Boy, thank God for
3: that. The Good Work Alliance is working to build a resilient, equitable, and human-centric future of work and the new global Parity Alliance, a global coalition of 250 CEOs, ministers, and other leaders, is working to renew growth and resilience through diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: He said through, he meant through diversity, equity, and inclusion, the magic buzzwords of the left. You could do a full segment, a full hour on each and every one of these words and the nonsensical meanings that the left have ascribed to them and the policies that they have built around them. It is truly terrifying, and it's not working. Look back to the days when America was the economic engine of the world. You can go back to the the great rise in manufacturing. You can go back to (laughs) two years ago. When we were on the verge of being the world net producer of energy, clean energy, clean coal technology, clean natural gas and oil out of the ground and produced in the most healthy and efficient of ways, the least polluting of ways, unlike China, unlike India, running rampant, building coal fact, dirty, filthy, Coal not because of coal, but because they don't treat it. They don't clean it. They don't uh, do anything to capture and limit the damage being done from their emissions. And so while these clowns are over there plotting your future, plotting your life, nothing being done, no pressure being put on the Chinas and the Indias, the great polluters of the world. Absolutely Disgusting. And then there was this clip that I shared with Trevor Loudon.
3: A new initiative, Gaia Giving, to amplify Earth action will leverage philanthropic capital to help generate the three trillion U.S. dollars needed each year from public and private sources to tackle climate change and nature losses.
1: I really have no problem with that. You know, we'll just turn over $3 trillion a year to the brainiacs, the control freaks, the maniacal nonsense going on at WEF 23, $3 trillion U.S. trillion a year that they need in a country that can't house its homeless, that can't feed and give good medical care to its veterans that has leadership in place, that believes a wide-open southern border with children being trafficked and fentanyl coming across and illegals and terrorists and criminals and sad sacks who are looking for a better future, is all okay. How do they think they're going to milk $3 trillion a year out of the most bankrupt country in the history of time? $33 trillion in debt. Our interest on our debt for the first time ever will be more than even just our defense budget. Forget about all our other expenses. And while these clowns are plotting their takeover of the entire world, we've got idiots here in our own country crying because Republicans want to hold the line on expanding the debt ceiling. Absolutely nonsense. But, We're at the end of this segment. We've got to take a break. We may try and squeeze in a call or two before we wrap up the show, so sit tight if you're on the phones. 303-696-1971, 710-KNUS. We'll be right back. Back for the final segment of the final hour of the show, and uh, really glad to have you along. It's a tough time to have full lines because we don't have very much time left, but let's see what we can do uh, very interested in the call from Johnny, who wants to talk about a family member and the vaccine. Johnny, what's up?
4: Yeah, I, I have this very good friend from uh, uh, she's from uh, Littleton, and she got with this beautiful guy from from, from London, and they've been doing the paperwork, thousand dollars here, five thousand dollars here, and now because he won't take the jab, they want the lawyer wants to charge him 2000 dollars $2, more to fill out this other application saying that you want to reject the jab?
1: Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, it doesn't cost $2,000 to do a religious or medical exemption request. I don't know the details, so I'm not going to criticize another lawyer, but I will tell you, this stuff is not ending, man. We, we had a case this week with somebody who was hospitalized, was not getting proper treatment, had COVID, was failing miserably. Doctors were treating the family horribly, and I'm so grateful they called the firm because uh, we went to work, we got people involved, we were standing by to take legal action if necessary. That person was um, was taken out of the hospital, uh, really mm. virtually barely able to walk, um, now at home swallowing, getting proper COVID treatment, and uh, very likely will recover. But we know people stuck in hospitals under the normal COVID protocols are literally dying. And so um, there are some good stories like that. You'd have to get those other folks in touch with me. I, I don't know how to deal with their personal situation, but Johnny, yeah, I l- do, let
4: me, I, I think she should switch, switch and, um, and, and get a better, a better lawyer. Yeah. I'd recommend her to you.
1: Or at least a second opinion. I'm always glad to hear what's going on and I will give my honest opinion. I don't just, if somebody calls and I think their lawyer's doing great, I tell them, tell them so. Maybe it's just right, a community, maybe it's just a communication issue, you know, and they can yeah. tell their their lawyer, I need to understand this better and they can do a better job of that. But thank you, Johnny. Have a good weekend, sir.
5: Uh, you too.
1: All right. Joan's been waiting in Lakewood. Lay it on us, Joan.
5: Well, um, I'm just so disgusted. I cannot believe that they knew this was going to, they were going to um, look at his house and they didn't say anything about looking in his house. And the president was, They put out that he was going to visit his beach home. How many houses does this man have?
1: Well, but Um, but don't you understand, Joan? He's very concerned about these documents. Um, Corrine has made sure to to make that clear. Uh, And they do this this stuff Friday night and Saturday. It is the take out the trash point for uh, news stories. They don't want the public to pay attention. Very common practice for a very long time. It is disgusting, but I agree with Trevor Loudon. and I think Joe Biden's on his way out. How about you?
5: Well, I know he is, because um, Lauren, Lauren Boebert got on the committee for oversight
1: committee
5: <laughs> yeah. this week. Pitbull yeah, with a steak bone, I, baby. I know, and I'm sitting here going, you know, this is why they're doing all this, because um, there must be some kind of system with the National Archives where – you check out the papers, and and they know where these papers are, and they've known it for some time, and they just use them and recognize them. Who knew about the National Archives before Trump got um, raided? I mean, it's seriously. it's a
1: it's a glorified library and librarian, and they're they're acting like talking like now that they're. Um, you know, just, just the top dogs, and they're so offended by the way that Donald Trump was just not agreeing with their take on what he could keep and what he couldn't. But they knew where they were. They put an extra lock on the door in a secure location, and instead of a cooperative 13-hour, you know, hey, Joe, we're here. Can we come on in? They show up with the FBI and raid the place. It's a disgusting two-tiered sim- system. Joe, I appreciate you listening. I want to try and squeeze in one more call before we run out of show. Thank you so much. Eric. Oh, this is Patriot Eric, Brother Eric, the Great American Eric. Lay it on me, brother.
4: Much love to you, you great American. God, God I just wait for the hours and the times that you come on. Randy Corbin. can President Trump chime in on, you know, uh, his pick on the big chair, you know, for uh representative of, like, you know. For the
1: GN- the GOP Army chair, Go- yeah. Yeah, he yes,
4: uh,
1: yes. He uh he could. He did in the past. Okay. R- Ronna Mcdaniel, it was his hand-picked chair uh, because oh, of her success okay. in Mi- in Michigan. Uh he supported okay. her on her second run and for her third term, which was my first vote for an RNC chair. Um he he came on. We had a video presentation from him and She was voted by acclamation, no competitors, because Donald Trump wanted her there. Donald Trump has stayed silent. Yeah, he stayed silent on the race. But I will tell you, for instance, when information came out and said, Ronna McDaniels has been spending money on flowers and limousines and all this stuff. Donald Trump's campaign manager, I forget her name, but I read her quotes the day they came out on a Saturday on this show, um, said many of those expenses were at the request of the White House for travel for fundraisers for this or that. He didn't want the taxpayers paying. He wanted the RNC to do it. So he has defended his choice. Go ahead.
4: It's very, very exciting that he's running again. I love that guy so much. Okay. (laughs) Before I let you go, you great American young man, would you please find Michelle Malkin? I miss her. I was next to you, and you know the, the you know, rallies I, and everything. Where is she?
1: Well, I've talked to her, Talked to okay. her a few weeks ago, and she is laying low. I, I think she's taking, oh, she's given herself a rest. She also took a tumble and hit her head. So, but I think she's okay. Uh-uh. Um, I think I think it was just a. If anybody a knows, accident.
4: you know, because I saw you and her stand side by side like uh, brother. And sister, so to speak, you well, know, you guys are tremendous at the rallies. And Dinesh D'Souza, Souza, I want you to get him on your show too, please. Well, you know, you know he's got a show.
1: Happen. He's got a show on Salem, so I don't usually do that because you can just hear him anytime okay. that you want. But God bless you, and have a great weekend, okay. great American. Thank you. So Happy much. New Year. Same to you, sir. Much love. love you, okay. Much love. Okay. Bye now. All right, and uh, don't forget, as we're running out of time here, that the uh, show does go on live and local tomorrow. Uh, Really, the best weekend show, if you are a political activist and want to know what's going on, rather than the mainstream media version, is, of course, Backbone Radio with Dr. Matt Dunn. That's from 4 to 7 on Sundays. And then, uh, if you haven't had enough, man, Casey and Scott Bloyer are just knocking it out of the park with the Bloyer effect because um, they're men talking about men being men, raising their daughters, raising their sons. Uh, standing up in society, not being afraid to be men, and it is powerful stuff. And that's that's not all they do. But um, the lineup, I think the weekend lineup is really a lot of fun here on 710 KNUS, and I'm glad to be a part of it, glad to have you along. I wish I had more time because there is more insanity uh, from the World Economic Forum. Maybe we can wrap up with just a couple of these
3: inflation by all accounts however you look at it is way too high
1: yeah now 2 years ago it was just fine thank you very much donald trump
3: this year is going to be a tough year we will see the effects of monetary policy tightening and this is generating a cost of living crisis
1: one of the many crises that we warned about here at the at WEF 23 so that you will voluntarily turn over more control of your bank account, your credit cards, your social score, your environmental social and government balancing act we know best.
3: And it's not a short-term cost of living crisis, it's a long-term inequality crisis. We shouldn't be running our economies on poverty wages.
1: Crisis, crisis, crisis. We shouldn't be running our economies on on poverty wages. Well, thank you. That's just brilliant. I'm so glad to hear that. I'll tell you what, just two years ago, remember what your world was like. Remember what your 401k was like. Remember what your life was like, and especially pre-COVID. I guess two years, you got to look back a little further than that. Anyway, that's it for a Saturday night. Thanks for being here. I'm Randy Corcoran. Always remember, please never forget, God loves you. So do I. Have a great weekend and never ever.
4: I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what
0: the he wants.